Today we got a Jackrabbit legend joining the podcast, Danny Batten. Danny Batten is from Gilbert, Arizona. I was fortunate enough to play with Danny during my time in Blue and Yellow, and uh, he was a member of the Jackrabbit Illustrated um, All-Decade team. He was also a member of the Coughlin Alumni um, Anniversary team as one of the greatest Jackrabbit players ever to wear the colors. He uh, was a defense, defensive end, outside linebacker who earned all great West first team accolades, Missouri Valley Football Conference accolades, and shared co-defensive player of the year accolades back in 2009. He was on the first ever D1 FCS playoff qualifying team um, that I shared a part in with him. And uh, we, we had, had some memories in Montana, to say the least, uh, with that one. But, Danny, how you doing, man? I'm good, Kyle. Thanks for having me, man. Absolutely. And you're out in, uh, in California right now. You were saying just uh, this spring, welcome the new, new kid into the family, and uh, you're surviving out there. That's right. It's been a, been a crazy year for everybody, but we welcomed a baby right in the middle of this pandemic and uh, had to learn on the fly how to be a parent and grow up fast, I guess. So it's been a, been a fun year. <laughs> That's right. You went from player to now your coach, head of the household, trying to keep things in line, huh? Yeah, stressful, but you kind of step back and they're pretty resilient little little humans. And uh, as long as you're you're trying real hard and not – not doing things too stupid there. They're probably going to be all right. <laughs> yeah, just don't mess it up, right? That kind of thing. That's right. Well, cool, man. Yeah, you know, we've had a lot of success. Uh, when I say we, South Dakota State, in the past probably 10, 15, maybe 20 years or so, going into Arizona and recruiting and pulling out some really quality talent. And I could probably imagine back when you were playing prep ball at Mesquite High School out there in Gilbert, you were not really considering South Dakota State as an option when you first uh, started playing varsity football. <clears throat> is that safe to say? It is, and it's it's not a knock to, to SDSU at all. It's just I lived in my little bubble, and I hadn't really heard of them, to be honest. And they had just made the transition from Division Two to Division One, and uh, – um, obviously, as, as every high school kid's dream is to play for, you know, their dream Power 5 school. And for me, that was University of Arizona. It's the team I grew up, you know, really wanting to play for and you know, my dad's favorite team, et cetera. So, um, yeah, is you know, Arizona's <clears> – <throat> excuse me. Arizona has produced some good, good football players. Um, I think uh, one of the factors in that, and you know, I may be biased, but I'm. Uh, you know, I'll say this about all hot weather states. I know you played in Georgia, and a lot of guys down in Florida. Um, for me, I you know I played both sides of the ball in high school, so I was basically playing every single snap in the middle of that miserable heat. So when you know I finally did get up to to SCSU, and I was only playing one side of the ball, and it was in this nice, cool, crisp weather, I felt like I could run all day. It was, I felt like Superman out there. It was it was kind of kind of nice, <laughs> but uh, um, yeah, my, <clears throat> my path was uh, um, my path was not paved in gold. I'll say I was I was not a highly desired recruit coming out of high school. Um, my high school team was very average, 
Um, I think we won three or four games my senior year. Um, and uh, I ended up tearing my meniscus the last game of my senior year. I was getting, you know, a lot of interest from, you know, there's like seven of the pack back then, the Pac-10 schools showing me a lot of interest. And I got dropped like a, you know, sack of potatoes after there's, you know, meniscus tears and anything serious. But uh, I was not a strong enough recruit in their eyes to, uh, that I'd be worth the risk. So South Dakota State was my only official offer coming out of out of high school. So um, obviously I took it and um, was very thankful that I had had that opportunity and tried to make the best of it that I could. Yeah, man, that's that's kind of the thing with it. You know, if you're a, if you're a fringe recruit, at least coming out, and you haven't necessarily matured into your body, your frame, or you maybe were just flying under the radar for whatever reason. Injury can be that that just last little red flag that that's a ping on your record that that makes them kind of overlook you. But you know, it's interesting that you talk about you know being beaten down by the heat through August all the way through even later in your season in November. I think that that's spot on because it's just it's so brutal and punishing that, you know, your cardio has to be at such a high level going into camp and then coming out of it, it's kind of just like automatic. But one of your, I would say one of your traits that made you really stand out above the rest, um, and this is not reducing you, but it's your motor. And, you know, a lot of times they're mo- people say, oh, he's a high motor guy. It's kind of a knock on his, his athletic ability which you also had because we can get into your, your pro day numbers and all that. But yeah, man, like being able to, to haul downfield and make, make downfield tackles from your defensive end position after you run the ring, when you're trying to get home on the quarterback, some of those things were, were one of the more interesting things I watched out of your career and having had the opportunity when I started at Nichols across from you to watch that, that's, that was pretty cool as well. Cause back then you were about what, like 225, 230, maybe more more no. like more like an outside linebacker build and then you were I, just able to work yourself into to getting getting big well i mean that's that's i i appreciate the motor um uh comment and i know i take no offense to that because you know as i've had time to reflect and it, it, it is fact it's uh i was not the most overly athletically gifted human being i mean not even close uh there's there's a lot of guys out there that um, would blow me away in the athletic category or the, um, you know, some guys are sculpted like Greek gods. And, you know, that wasn't yeah. me. Um, so yeah, motor was definitely my, my, uh, my biggest attribute. Um, but no, coming out of high school, I was, um, I was six, three, like two thirty five. I think day one, when I stepped on, on campus, maybe a couple pounds heavier and probably lost a few pounds throughout the season. Um, my true freshman year, but, uh, I, you know, I'm throughout the course of my, my college career, I probably gained 15 pounds. Um, not a whole lot. So I, I was always, I was always an undersized defensive end. Yeah. Um, but you know, I, I, I attribute my motor. Um, I, I, we had a couple coaches in high school that were, you know, complete psychopaths. I should probably be in jail now thinking back <laughs> on it, but, uh, um, yeah, our life would be a living hell if we, they call them duts and loafs. So if we had, a um, a loaf, which is just, you know, if you're being a lazy, lazy turd out there, then, uh, 
you'd have to do one tens for every loaf that you had. And in the Arizona heat, it's, uh, I'd rather just run to the ball. And so that gets, that got ingrained in me since my freshman sophomore year in high school and, um, kind of stuck with me. Yeah. And then it carried right into coach Sarvis, which sounds exactly the same for a little bit where, uh, I remember we would get loafs if we even adjusted our helmet, if it got, you know, pulled down below our, our brow, it was, uh, there, there were no easy days. We'll just say that. And it's, it was kind of interesting because, you know, throughout, throughout the evolution of our time, even at SDSU with, with the coaching carousel kind of guys going different places, taking different positions. I think it, it, our, our camps got progressively easier and it kind of should anyway, as, as an upperclassman, just because of your familiarity, not necessarily that the physical demand will be easier, but I remember coach Mo just savagely, running us into the ground like one of the off seasons in our training and like I feel like we were so well conditioned um, but we had to kind of tweak some things going deeper into the season because we just we were beaten down I I, I, I yeah I, I couldn't agree more with that I so funny story I this is gonna sound a, a little dramatic but uh keep in mind that you know we're we were 18 barely 18 year old kids going into our first first camp away from home far away from home for guys like you and I for the, for the first time. And I remember uh, talking with my roommate right after practice, Brian Fisher, who was another uh, defensive end, defensive interior, defensive lineman guy. And uh, we were so miserable that we were hoping that somebody would hit us with a car on the way home, walking back to the <laughs> dorm. So we could, we could get a, <laughs> an honest uh, excuse to, to tap out and, and not be uh, shamed about it. But uh, no, we got through it and you're right. It's uh, they, they did have to make tweaks because, and that, I mean, that happened at every level. Right. NFL used to have um, their fall camp or their training camp. They used to go two a days and they were banging at each practice and, you know, NFL PA stepped in and it's been way watered down from what it, what it used to be. And um, so, yeah, I, I think, I think coaching um, the coaching staffs across the country and, um, Coach Mo is is top notch, and uh, I think he uh, I think he's got the guys from what I what I hear and what I understand. He's got he's got the program pretty well dialed in, and um, and they're in a, we 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 live through a little bit of that transition period, but I think right now they're they're pretty well dialed in. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I just keep going up there and and you know talking to even Justin Sell, the athletic director, the type of interior defensive lineman that we would get like during our era you know, kind of like the Brian Fishers, right? The tweeners, but athletic enough to kind of play really anywhere across would use his skill set because he was so quick, you know, good with his hands. We were all kind of that same type of mold. And then now, man, they're getting like 310 pounders that have transition pass rush moves and like they're able to maintain that size throughout the years. So it's been pretty cool to watch just from where, where we were in kind of helping springboard the program and man, I think that that's one of the coolest things I wanted to get your insight on seeing like where we were with the grandstand bleachers and uh, not to not to dip into the back in my day type type stuff. But it, it is really cool to see like the evolution of the program. I mean, when was the last time you were on campus up there? Do you know, man, it's it's been it's been a, I, I have not seen the finished stadium, shamefully. Yeah, it was my yeah. first time seeing the finished stadium for college game day this past year. And I'm, just, I'm telling you, bro, like there there are buildings that were built over that I used to have class in. I mean, it's completely reshaped. It's beautiful. I've 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 been on, you know, prominent 
FBS level uh, campuses, as I'm sure you have in it, it's every bit and then some as far as academic facilities, athletic facilities, dorms, um, transportation, ease of access, getting around is still great. And now, dude, they got a Taco Bell there now. Can you believe that? No kidding. <laughs> that chaps my ass. It's too late. <laughs> me, that chaps my ass because me, Eric Schroeder, and Mitch Pontrelli, I think you <laughs> even came with us a few more than more than once. We'd have to drive to Sioux Falls yep. on like a Wednesday night because I <laughs> Schroeder was a Schroeder loved to eat, and all me and Pontrelli would have to do is is just start putting the bug in his ear during when we were watching film at night, and he'd look at us and say, "Load up," and we'd drive <laughs> an hour to Sioux Falls. <laughs> I know I was driving past that and I was like, man, my, my how times have changed. But uh, but yeah, man. And, and so getting back to kind of like your AZ roots and how, how did you uh, come to find out about South Dakota State? Was it Coach Gary, if I remember correctly? Uh, it was. Um, so my high school coach, I don't want to. I don't want to badmouth the guy too bad, but uh, uh, in his opinion, I wasn't college or even D2 material. Wow. So don't know why, um, but uh, I don't know, maybe had an axe to grind against me or I, I don't know. But um, so I, he did me no favors in recruiting whatsoever. There was a, uh, there was a coach from a rival high school, um, Highland High School, um, and Darren Wilkinson, the old quarterbacks coach for, for SCSU, I think he's now uh, – he was at Colorado, and I forget Love where him. he's at now. And now, okay. now he's actually in Texas. He's, uh, he's with the Javelinas down in South Texas. Awesome. D2 head coach. Yeah, he's a great dude. Yeah, he, so he was, he was out recruiting, uh, recruiting a kid out of Highland, and uh, um, Preston Jones, the coach from Highland High School, said, I'm – can't believe this kid hasn't gotten any looks at all talking about me. And uh, he was the one that prompted, uh, you know, Darren to, or Coach Wilkinson to, to look at my film. And um, they were initially looking at me as a, uh, as a tight end slash H-back. And uh, um, I'll be honest, I, I was not, I was not college material for tight end H-back. I was, I was a defensive guy. So they were like, yeah, he's yeah, maybe. And then, uh, um, Coach Sarvis got a hold of my my defensive film, and yeah, the rest is kind of history. But uh, just got lucky. So for all for all the young guys out there that might be listening to this, um, uh, very few times your path will be paved in gold. Um, if you want something bad enough, you got unfortunately you got to have some of the physical metrics, which I, I disagree with with that, but that is the reality of college sports is that, you know, for most programs, they won't look at you unless you check the height, weight, and, you know, X, Y, Z box from your physical attributes. And then they start looking at game film. So I, if you have, if you're close to those metrics and you want it bad enough, you know, keep working and, and you'll get yourself there one way or another. Man, I couldn't have put it any better. And, and I think that, you, you struck on a couple things that I want to just highlight there, too. Um, you know, having gone through the process with you back in the day when we didn't have these resources like Huddle, like Twitter, like social media to be able to really broadcast our message with no additional cost to us. 
um, and really be able to present yourself and market yourself um, broadly, but to decide who you want to be as an athlete coming up. I think every young kid needs to take advantage of that and recognize that if you want to play football and you don't have those physical tools, like you're saying, um, then you need to recruit them and recognize that you need them more than they need you. So you have to do your due diligence and recruit them as much as they would recruit you. I've, I've been telling my little brother this because I mean, he just, he's, he's kind of like old school in the sense he just likes, he loves the game and he keeps it about the game. But unfortunately with the changing of the tides and all this, it's more about branding and all that garbage. And it's like a me generation, which I'm not trying to slide him too much either. Um, things just evolve and, and, and change, but um, but yeah, you got to do your due diligence. You never leave your future into someone else's hands either. Um, you know, it's unfortunate that, that maybe, or maybe not your coach had an ax to grind with you, or maybe just didn't even, maybe he didn't view his, his responsibility as helping guys get recruited. So that's why, you know, I remember back in the day, I, I had my VHS highlight tape made and I sent it out to every single coach in the country and times were just different, but Either way, I'm glad uh, Coach Wilk found you, and and uh, I'm glad that Sarvis, you know, took a shot. He was a very difficult coach to play for, but, man, he was – it was great. I remember, you know, those times we'd be in the trailer, and specifically in, like, 07 uh, when I tore my pec, but I was, you know, in those meetings and uh, listening to you guys. It was just like he had he had a way to, like, flip a switch within you. Like, I remember he would say, suffer now and, like, live the rest of your lives as champions. And we all won a title that year, um, the Great West title against number one, North Dakota State. Um, it was pretty remarkable. Yeah, man. I uh, I don't even I don't know where do I begin with Coach Sarvis. Uh, <laughs> at the time, it was – I've never hated anybody more in my entire life. And I say that as in – um, you're, you're right. He would military guy and he demanded excellence and everything. So I'll, I'll, I'm going to share some of my dirty laundry here. It's a little bit embarrassing, but a pretty funny story. I got a, uh, so my freshman year, I, I played as a true freshman was hanging out with, with some of the older guys quite a bit that, um, you know, and when we weren't playing and on the weekends, et cetera, or, you know, I thought college was just like high school. I thought, yeah, you just kind of, sh you know, show up and do a little bit and you're, you're going to be just fine. Well, um, actually not that how it works. And I ended up getting a <laughs> 1.2 GPA my freshman year. And I remember I was back on, I think that was Christmas break. That was my first semester. So I was back home and I knew what my grades were, but they hadn't released them to the coaches yet. So I was just extremely stressed out waiting for the phone call from Sarvis. You know, of course he calls and he is ripping me to shreds and he's like, <laughs> everything from you're done, you know, like you're, you're on academic probation and you're, you're done. I'm already recruiting somebody in your spot. To, you've shamed your family, etc. So <laughs> obviously I was humiliated and I didn't think I was, you know, a dumb, dumb person, but, you know, started, <laughs> started questioning I'm like, man, I might not be a smart human being. I, it was, <laughs> it was a shock to the, to the confidence, but, uh, he made me do study hall with him every single day of the week through Monday through Friday 
on top of the rookie study hall, we'd have to do two nights a week. I'd have to do it over my lunch break. And I'll tell you what, I got a 4.0 the next two or three semesters, and I pretty much coasted on 3.5 or higher from there on out. I was petrified of getting of flunking another class my entire college career and ended up graduating with like a 3.5 or something GPA. So, but <clears throat> Sarvis was a guy and this was, you know, I, I say I hated the man, but I also, he, I also respected him tremendously. And I absolutely, I loved the man too. It, it, it's kind of, kind of weird because he, he was able to get out of me what very few people could. And he, you know, I won't name any names, but you were there. You saw it firsthand. Oh, firsthand. I already know who you're probably thinking of. Yeah. Well, with, with service, right, in that type of atmosphere, one of two things are going to happen. You're going to get hardened from it and, and rise up and, and be able to face that head on, or you're going to it's, it's going to break you down, and it's going to make you, you know, kind of disassociate and I don't want to say have a bad attitude, but um, – it can break you. And I wasn't going to let it break me, even though I was you know, miserable for long stretches, especially my freshman year and sophomore year got better. And then by my junior year, we had a, you know, the mutual respect for each other. And um, I was put it this way, but when they, when he ended up getting fired, I was, I was pissed off, extremely pissed off at, at coach Stig, you know, wrongfully so. Um, but, uh, in my eyes, I was like, all this hard work and all this time and all this suffering to get this man's respect and to get uh, um, to get to where I'm at and we're all at. I was like, it's uh, it. I was just like, that's a lot of time that's been wasted. But then Coach Brown came and it was he was awesome and it was um, probably the right move. Definitely the right move. Coach Brown was, you know, a fantastic position coach, and that my senior year was one of the best years of my life. But uh. Um, yeah, that would be my message to all the, all the young guys is, you know, you're, if you haven't had a coach like that, you will at some point in your life. And I mean, there's one or two things, one or two ways you can go about it. You can, you can let them, uh, let them break you and curl up in a little ball, or you can you know, look them right in the face and, and get hardened from it and, and let it motivate you. Let's go. I love that, man. That's exact because that's exactly what it is. And that's life. You know, that's that's the microcosm of life right there. You have, you know, it's it's not going to go easy on you. Um, it's only it's literally how much can you withstand? How, how full can your plate become? And that was the unique thing about Coach Sarvis and really, really remarkably so about the entire staff that Coach Stig is able to assemble year in and year out in a place like South Dakota, which is not, you know, it's not flashy. It's not a huge draw, but it has become such uh, a draw because it's got that rapport now and it's got that respect on a national scale. And, you know, just even thinking back to who was on our staff, man, we had obviously Coach Sarvis, Coach Bubak running running the show. Uh, as far as the defense, you had Stig, but you had Coach Conklin, who's now the head coach yep. at Wofford. He was a D coordinator at Pitt, you know, and has made the rounds throughout major programs in the country. And then you had, you know, on the offensive side, you got Coach Meadows, who's now at Kansas, who's had NFL opportunities. Um, you have, you know, Coach Lee, who's the D coordinator at, at uh, Notre Dame right now. It doesn't get any bigger than that. 
So That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, it's incredible the type of talent that they were able to surround themselves with from a coaching perspective. But what that was able to do was harden us. Like you were saying, it was, it, it, you know, to have us cope with the harshness of the winners in South Dakota, but cope with the realities of, damn, we got to get to class. We got to, cause I mean, that's, that's what 70% of the battle, some, some crazy statistic of just managing your damn time. I remember that was the hardest part for me as a young underclassman. And you kind of touched on it too. It's just like, man, we have, you know, we got to get to, training table or study table we got to get to class we got to get to workouts it's just like you better sack up you know and uh and you're able to do that man that's a good story because not a lot of people i mean how many how many stories like that of guys with maybe more athletic potential than you or i um who washed out just because they tapped you know yeah i mean that's and that's that's always a shame you know people i don't you know i had the opportunity to to get to get drafted and play a little bit of a pro ball but i people say well you must be the greed you know pe- people that i talk to nowadays in my current profession and um that are unfamiliar with the process and didn't play football they're like wow you must you know think i was one of the greatest football players to you know in my whole neighborhood in my state and this and that and i was always not the case man there are so many opportunities for guys to fall through the cracks a thousand opportunities um, via injury, washing out from grades, not being able to handle the coaches, having a chip on your shoulder. I mean, personal family issues. It's a, it is rare. I think um, I, I, obviously you have to have skill and you have to have talent to make it to pro ball, but you also got to get lucky and you got to have the, the mental I mean, I don't even want to frame it as mental toughness, but you have to have the ability to block basically the rest of your life out and the rest of your life has to come second. If that's your ultimate goal, no matter what happens in your personal life, no matter what happens in anything else you have, you you have a one track mind to achieving this goal. So I, I, I think you hit the nail on the head there. I mean, that's gold. That, I don't even really know how to, what to say to that, but I, I guess like tunnel vision, right? Like to achieve anything that's as excellent as being uh, able to be drafted in the NFL, which you were drafted in the sixth round, I think pick 192, which is even higher than the greatest quarterback that's ever played the game, Tom Brady. Just to put that in perspective for anyone who doesn't maybe know your full story and to then get injured early on, and to then come back and then start a whole year and take a position and make the 53 man roster. Right. Like yeah, that's, so I, that's tunnel vision right there. Yeah. That, that was, uh, you know, I, I, uh, I started special teams my second year and I, I got to start, I think it was four games and, you know, I played behind Sean Merriman and, and Chris Kelsey and, uh, um, you know, when I think Sean got hurt for rolled to there's Achilles or something was going on with him. So I got to start in a few games and, uh, but yeah, I, you know, went never missing a game my whole career to, you know, having a bad shoulder tear in, uh, in, in training camp, my rookie year. And it's different. It's, a uh, it was, it was miserable for me because the, the mindset is different in the pros, um, which, and what I mean by that is in college, if you get injured, 
you're getting back on the field, you know, no matter what. If if you can get back on the field, even if you're not at a hundred percent, you're you're doing what you you got to do to get back on the field. Well, in the pros, there's the whole business side of it, and during with the CBA says that they, you know, if you go back out on the field when you're injured, they can cut you and they don't owe you any money. And if you, so it's just a whole, a whole other dynamic that, you know, the agents and the, a lot of people, all the older guys, the veterans, if you're not at a hundred percent, do not step on the field. Very hard for, for a guy like me. And a lot of, I wasn't alone in that. There's a lot of guys that had a very hard time with that. And they, they, their pride couldn't handle it and they'd get back on the field and they'd get cut. And then, you know, Hey, you didn't disclose this injury or, and you step back on the field proving you're, you know, you're up to the challenge. We owe you nothing. We can cut you and you're fine because if you get injured playing football, you know, you, they can't release you injured. They have to get you back up to full health, pay you while you're getting back up to full health and then they can release you. So it's, I wasn't, that, that was a, a different dynamic, but yeah, first year was, was, was tough. Um, second year was a dream come true. I, you know, my first game, regular season game was against the Kansas city chiefs at Arrowhead and it was on the 10 year anniversary uh, of nine 11. So an Arrowhead's an insane stadium. What I, one of the loudest and they have in, insane fans so opening day night you know it was it rolled out a american flag the whole the size of the Amer- uh, of the football field jets flying over and i just remember looking up at my pops and he had a couple buddies there i was just like what in god's name is going on right now my ass is sitting here on this field with this is insane like it's I- surreal, dude. <laughs> that's absolutely surreal i don't think i've heard i don't even think i've heard a story like that in my life that's amazing but uh it it uh, um, it took so much. Like you, you, you mentioned it earlier. I, you know, I, I don't talk about this a lot. It's a little, um, but I I remember day one um, for rookie minicamp, and then when the the veterans got there for OTAs, and I remember looking around and just being like, "What am I doing here, man? Like these guys are literal monsters." And um, you know, the the biggest contrast I could find in my really my one moment where I was like yeah I, I probably ain't long for the road is when um Mario Williams showed up he was the <laughs> former number one dude and uh Bill he signed him Bush right yeah yep the Bill signed him and he uh he was like six 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 five six six he's a monster he was like 305 or 310 when he showed up he had a better looking body than me and he was faster than me. I'm like, Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Are you kidding me right now? Not created yeah. equal. That's for sure. <laughs> so I, for me, I would be puking during practices and I was, it was every single thing was so exhausting, dude. And I beat my body to absolute hell every single day just to not get embarrassed. Right. Cause that was these other dudes that had bodies and gifts like that. They wouldn't even be sweating in practice. So they had so much in it. Like, for me, I was physically ready to die after every practice. Yeah. So after my second year, after I got to start a couple games, after that, whole, I, I hate to say it, dude, but I felt something. I was just like, I, I've, I've done it. I'm tired. 
I'm, I'm okay if this is the end. And sure enough, you start getting that mindset. It's going to lead to a pretty quick end for you. Yeah. And that was it. And this was your final year. This was, I remember feeling that my second year and I played, you know, continued to, to play as hard as I could, as hard as I could, you know, every game on special teams. And I, I mean, they put me as the wedge buster because they knew I, I just, I did not care about my body. And, you know, (laughs) and uh, so they put me in all these high impact, you know, positions and I I loved it. There's nothing I would have chosen more, but yeah, probably right after this, you know, after the season, I just, NFL seasons are very, very, very long. And I just remember being, I've been doing this tackle football thing since I was seven or eight years old, never missed a game. I'm, I'm tired. <laughs> yeah, and, and I knew, dude, I wasn't going to sign a, a second contract. Like Zinner, he's a freak athlete and he, he you is. know, like he, he's got attributes that for his position, I didn't have Dallas Goddard freak oh, athlete, you know, wits, wits. Um, he's just an absolute monster. monster. I, yeah. Me, dude, I, I, I didn't have the physical attributes and I, I'm not saying those guys, I had to try harder than those guys. You know, I'm not taking nothing away from them, but I was just tired. And I was, the game of football had given me a lot and I was okay with it, with it being done. In all honesty. You're an outlier too. You know, you're an outlier in the sense that you were able to really, I don't know how many guys are able to maximize whatever their physical potential would be. But I mean, even remember you, you would, you would empty the tank to the point where you would puke a lot of times during just our collegiate workouts, our 5 a.m. runs or, I mean, and it wasn't because you were just, just dogging it and not prepared is because you were trying to smoke everybody. And that's, and it, where I kind of want to dive into that a little bit. Where does that come from with you? Is it just, I mean, you're, you're competitive, but you're not like when it all costs type mentality, I wouldn't say you're just, uh, did you put blinders on and you're just like, I'm here. I need to get this shit done. This is how I do it or what? I, I, I think about that often because I, you, I think you categorize it almost perfectly. I'm not like, I'm not one of these ridiculously competitive guys in every aspect of life. I, I'm not, I never have been. I, you know, if I'm, if we're playing a game of pickup basketball, I, I literally don't care. You know, I want to win maybe, but I don't, it's, I'm not one of these guys at the gym that are, you know, flipping out and this and no, I it's, so I'm not overly competitive. It was just, I don't, I don't know exactly what it was. Uh, I, I just, anytime I'd have a challenge in front of me, it was almost a game. I wanted to see just how far I could push my body before it, it, it collapsed and it, it broke. And I took some things that, you know, Stig and the other guys, other coaches said kind of to heart at a, at a young age and that you know, Stig always said, you know, the mind always quits before the body. Bingo. And there were certain, certain nuggets that, you know, kind of resonated with me and kind of shaped the, the course of my, my college career that I heard at a, my first couple of days on campus. And I said, yeah, that, that actually makes a lot of sense to me. And so I said, oh, well, we're going to test that theory and see if we can get this whole body to to collapse once or twice. <laughs> so I, and in my mind, I was like, if I can suffer and suffer and suffer during workouts and getting prepared for a game, whenever we're in the misery of, of an actual game and you're in the, you know, off the, their offense is strung together, a, a long punishing drive. And 
you, you got to suck it up and you, or, oh, yeah. or, you know, they're going to score. So I, I wanted to put myself in as much misery as I possibly could, which I'll be honest was easy at SDSU back in the old days with, <laughs> you know, our locker room situation, our film room situation, the, the turf on the, the grass field. And there's a lot of opportunities for misery around um, SDSU back in that day that being from Arizona and you're from Georgia, that blistering cold weather for the first time. And so it was, I wouldn't be the person I am today. And I'm not saying I'm anybody special, but it shaped the course of my life for the better. Yeah. I mean, I think like that's, we kind of all carried that and this kind of been highlighted across this podcast and it'll be interesting to kind of dive into the mindset of the guys who've had, you know, I don't want to call it a life of luxury, but it kind of is now in contrast with what we had. Um, and I'm not, I'm not uh, disgruntled by that by any means, because it was kind of cool to help be a small, small piece of building what, what they have today. But we kind of, we kind of all took pride in the adversity university stuff, the the wet socks, because we could never get them dry, the uncrustables as, as if that was going to be enough calories to tide us over when we were sitting through stig pop the you know the flies that were constantly coming in and out of the locker room the no no doors on the stalls in the bathroom the you know just every single every single thing the ac going out in the trailers it's like i mean i i think what's great about all that is it it made the main things the main things and that was get your school paid for you're playing football don't quit you know, no, it's, it's exactly right. I, I got to check myself every once in a while. Cause I mean, I, you, you said the word disgruntled. I, <laughs> there are times I catch myself being bitter about even, you know, as a recent as a year or two ago, you know, when, when you see all this nice stuff and like all the hype videos that they're putting out of these guys and all the, awesome locker room and what you know everything that they have i find you know i always got to check myself don't be bitter don't be (laughs) don't be petty this is good for the program you get you know a different caliber of player because of this this you know this is a good thing i would have loved to have it i'll be honest you know we all would have but there is some resiliency that comes out of mice eating your you know you go opening up your metal old school locker and not knowing if mice had eaten through half your stuff. <laughs> oh, hundred <laughs> percent. You know, it was, you know, to that point though, man, it, it's, uh, you, you know, I, I have to check myself too. It's not that I, it's not that I'm always like, you know, grinning ear to ear by all the facilities they got. I did get to dabble a little bit in the, um, Dyke house student athlete locker room, but, uh, you know, the S Jack and the Jack. new turf and all that wasn't there um, when I when I was on the way out. But, uh, you know, as far as as far as the stuff going wrong or or being able to shape you and mold you into uh, just being more resilient for life after. I think that that's that's what I try to lean on, because, you know, paying bills, having a mortgage, doing all that. That's that's not easy, you know, and like taking all that on your shoulders, I think. um who said it? So I got a, I got a chance to work with Kyler Murray's dad out here in Texas with my first job and uh, Kyler Murray, you know, AZ quarterback. Oh yeah. And his dad, Kevin Murray, he has a, a great little uh, quarterback outfit out here. 
that he does a lot of training. And I was watching Kyler his senior year with his dad. They were scrimmaging Arlington out here. And his offensive line, you could just see some of them loaf, some of the skill players not getting in and out of their breaks like they needed to. And he said, man, no, they, they don't have any dog in them. And I think we were able to have a lot of dog in us because we're practicing outside in sleet, can't, can't even get into a three-point stance because our hands are cramping up um, and stuff like that. So I think that's just the epitome of the type of mentality um, within that within that state and really that town, just that harsh, you know, strong-willed mentality that helps carry you through even into adulthood. So hopefully, hopefully some of those young guys are getting a taste of that, even though they've got all these, you know, the Taj Mahal, as Stig calls it, in facilities. <laughs> That's absolutely right. It, it feels good, you know, for those guys having all that nice stuff at the time. And, you know, obviously we would all chose to have that nice stuff. But, um, you know, misery does build – I don't want miseries. Let me take a step back here. I don't want to be too dramatic, but um, hard times and, you know, uncomfortableness builds character and it builds, builds resiliency. And, you know, as I'm sure you've, you've experienced, and I know I definitely have this life will, will chew you up and spit you out if you let it. So you, at some point in your life, you're going to have to go through some hard times and really look yourself in the mirror and, and double down and, and get through some, some of the grinds of life. And, those, those obstacles get a little bit easier if you've if you've been through um, some uncomfortable situations in in the past. Yeah, and the way we were prepared, as far as like with Coach Mo, Coach Sarvis, Coach Brown, Bubak, all the entire staff, we get to what mid season, and it'd be like, I, I don't think I ever was like, oh man, I'm I'm so gassed here. I you know I I felt granted I played H back later on in my career, so I was taking maybe 45 snaps. So I, I had no reason to be tired, but, um, but I think that, you know, by and large, our whole squad was always more conditioned, I think, than the other teams. Um, no doubt. Yeah. And so, man, I kind of want to touch on, so after you, we've had quite a few uh, successful um, recruiting hits in Arizona, J.R. Plody being a, a really solid DN, DN contributor as well. Um, I mean, during our time, you had, you know, Ryan Crawford, who contributed successfully with us. Um, Trevor Wesley, a nice little slot receiver. Um, so we've had guys, and then Jordan Brown, of course, who was able to uh, get drafted um, by the Bengals in uh, would have been not this year's draft, but the previous. And so what do you think um, is attributable to, got, to us being able to dip in there? Success from, from you, Coach Rogers, um, Isaiah, stuff like that? Or, or what do you think is kind of – why are these guys maybe overlooked? I, I uh, So when you think about powerhouse states for football, Texas, California, Florida are the big three that I think of off the top of my head. There's other states, and I'm not trying to take away – Ohio's got some yeah. awesome football. Um, but Arizona normally isn't – uh, talked about as having high quality football. Um, but you look at the amount of guys that, that are successful coming out of Arizona, it's, there's some pretty good numbers there. Um, I, Arizona and Arizona state don't recruit or at least didn't, um, in state that much. I, you know, I heard Minnesota does, you know, had the same issues for a long time, letting their in-state guys get picked up by out of state. You know, they, they focused on those hot spots and tried to compete with the Alabamas and everybody else. 
Um, and it, I think Arizona was largely overlooked. I'm not saying that there wasn't guys that get, you know, got USC offers and, you know, they were USC back in, in our day was the premier program. And, you know, there was a couple guys here and there getting, you know, the big time offers. And, but I, I don't, I don't know why it was so overlooked. Um, but there is a definite opportunity in Arizona. And I think a lot of teams and a lot of programs have, have started to realize that. And I'm thankful SDSU, I think the year before me is when they got Jimmy, Isaiah, um, a few other guys to really get it started. And then, uh, you know, I actually, I think Micah um, before that, there was a couple. Right. So they had, they had taken one or two guys here or there. And then, then my year and then the following years, they, they started hitting it pretty hard. And I think, you know, they've had some pretty good success. And, you know, I always, um, I always try to help out where I, where I can. And, um, you know, I haven't done anything with the program for several years now, but, you know, I, I gladly talk to these guys, these new recruits that they have from Arizona and just try to help them understand the, the shock that they're going to be in with the cold weather and being away from home, et cetera, and kind of tell tell my story and how I, how I made it work. But um, yeah, I really, it's uh, like a lot of States, you know, that's, that aren't the, you know, the big, big time football States are, you're going to get overlooked and it's, it's unfortunate, but you know, back to what I said earlier, as long as you have the drive and, you know, some metrics or close to the metrics that they're looking for the, the box that they have to check, you're, you're going to get a shot. Whether you go JUCO or you go a, a small school and then transfer up, you'll get a shot. Exactly. There's a great quote by Steve Martin. It's like, be so good they can't ignore you. And that's kind of the thing that I try to echo to a lot of these young guys. It's like, if you're so good, they can't ignore you. You know, you're going to be on their radar. Just like the, the head scout for the Reese's Senior Bowl is all over Cade. He was all over Goddard. I mean, um, had had you probably come into state during this past decade, five, ten years or so, um, I think, you know, you'd probably been on their radar, too, in terms of productivity, because, I mean, you couldn't deny your productivity. Um, and then, you know, I, I think that's the whole scope that Matt and I are trying to to put out here with this podcast is we're trying to frame South Dakota State, um, honestly, as far as recruiting goes. And understand that not only is it the best in the state, we do a great job recruiting within South Dakota, tackling Minnesota and the surrounding adjacent states and really dominating. I remember going to the Minnesota game this past year and we had almost more guys starting than than they did from the state of Minnesota, which was awesome. Uh, Yeah. Then diving into Arizona, we've had you get drafted and then we've had Jordan Brown get drafted. So two guys. Um, being able to come from the Southwest to what really is basically Canada <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and and pave their way and make a name for themselves. So it's like, um, you know, we used to clown, I think, a little bit uh, with, with a little bit of a slight back in the day because one of the slogans at South Dakota State is you can go anywhere from here, but it's true. I mean, it really is true. Um, and you and Jordan are a testament to that coming from the – from the, what do they call it? It's not the Sunshine State. The Valley of the Sun down there. Yeah, the Grand Canyon State. Yeah. The Devil's Playground. There's a whole bunch of names. <laughs> Hotter than hell is really what it is. God. Um, but, yeah, man, so that's what uh, – let's dive into some some uh, 
a little lighter stuff. What, what was one of the coolest memories you have uh, playing at state? Was there a, a specific game that stands out to you always or, or some, some memory that you'd like to share? Hmm. Yeah. Um, there's a couple. Uh, McNeese, our freshman year was pretty awesome. That was they awesome. Were, they were a power program, you know, perennial powerhouse back in the day. And we went down there and ended up getting them in a, Last second field goal, if I remember. Um, that that was a that was an awesome game. Uh, NDSU, our, our our sophomore year, obviously the they they beat us pretty good. My our freshman year, and then you know we we got them the next three years. And that second year was to to get the conference championship. And then um, Minnesota, or no, not Minnesota. Um, Minnesota was awesome playing in that stadium and that, that new TCF bank stadium, a couple years old or maybe a year old. And then, uh, Montana is, is one that, yeah. that I remember quite well. And, uh, yeah. but yeah, it, just the memories made and I, you know, once, so one, one story I would like to tell is after my freshman year, um, I had the opportunity to go play football at university of Arizona, um, which was my dream school my whole life. Everything was set up. Um, I was as being a baby about missing home in the cold weather and boohoo everything. Um, and basically had everything set up and, uh, I went and talked to Stig and, you know, was saying, Hey, I you know, would like a release from my scholarship. And, um, he said, you know, listen, if, if that's what you really want, of course, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to screw a player over if that's what you really want. But he's like, I'll ask you to think about it for a couple of days. And thank God he did. Cause I, I, I went back and I, I started thinking about it and I was like, you know what? Screw those guys. You speaking of the university of Arizona, I was like, they, they dropped me like a bad habit when, when I had a meniscus tear in my knee. And I was like, these guys stuck with me. I was like, I love the people up here. I love the area. I need to toughen up and get used to this cold weather, which I eventually I did. But I was like, I, it, the more I step, you know, took a step back and started thinking about it, like this, this is this is a slam dunk. There's no way I'm leaving here, and that's the best decision I've made in a long time. So I, you know, from a recruiting standpoint. I had the opportunity after the third, my first year at SDSU to go play at my dream school. And I chose not to. And that it was when we did not have the facilities, we did not have all the luxuries and all the cool things that those guys have today. Um, so the right fit means more than you playing at your dream school. And I'm a testament to you know, every young kid out there that could be listening to this or that's going to be getting recruited and it's got a choice to make every one of their dreams is to make it to the NFL. It's not going to be the case for all of them, but it's, you're going to have a chance to prove that you're, you have what it takes. It is more about fit than it is about the school you play for. And there are a hundred thousands of examples, way better examples than me that have gone from smaller schools and become perennial pro bowlers in the NFL. So don't get too hung up on playing for your dream school because you could get there and then you can never see the field because they have a Heisman Trophy winner in front of you. Or you can go to SDSU 
start, make a big name for yourself and have the opportunity to get drafted. And then once you get there, doesn't matter if you're a first rounder or an undrafted free agent, you're there. You can, you prove your worth, the, you can pave your own road there. So I just wanted to, wanted to point that out that I, you know, I did have the opportunity to leave and I chose to stay and it was the best decision I've made. Man, that's powerful. That's, uh, I mean, I, I heard kind of rumblings of that back in the day. I didn't know how much merit there was to it, but that's, that's pretty remarkable. And I think that that, uh, like props to you for having perspective like that, because it's really easy to get distracted, especially, you know, with the bright lights and the allure of TV deals and Nike contracts and all that. And, um, not uh not nearly making it to the level that you did just you know having a cup of coffee but uh but coming from the big 10 to south dakota state that was exactly why i did that too i found a better fit with sarvis um it was familiar to me because i kind of had been raised similarly so it was kind of like is is what i knew in in the approach and and honestly like i missed that grind um it's kind of like when, when you're in the big 10 or when you're at that kind of caliber level, you're around athletes that know they're going to get drafted and they know that they basically just got to not mess it up. Uh, similar to like seeing physical specimens like Mario Williams, there were plenty of guys like that, that I was like, damn, like Anthony Spencer and Mike Neal and, you know, guys that came after Ryan Kerrigan, just, just cats that were absolutely otherworldly in terms of their, their physique and where they were going to go. And to me, I just wanted to grind. I wanted to get back to, you know, what I was familiar with growing up, which is just put your hand in the ground and, and see if you can be better than the guy across from you. And I think that, you know, you being able to have that perspective on fit allowed you to get the reps that you needed and allowed you to bond with your, your guys going, that you went to battle with. I mean, starting pretty much every game, your true freshman year that you didn't expect to, I don't think right out, out the gate. Um, kind of forced into action and made the most of it and you know you you just bought in i think guys just need to realize if you buy in and you have and you are in the right fit things are going to unfold in a clearer way for you you know i don't know if if you agree with that but that's how i saw it no i i think that's very well said it's uh not everybody's going to make it to the nfl and that's you know that your path will be laid out in front of you and like like I said, buy in and there's no shame in, um, you know, if, if, if there's no shame in going to a school that isn't your dream school, nobody, not every kid, very few kids get to play at this school that they grew up, you know, idolizing and dreaming. I think SCSU is becoming that school for a lot of players It is um, yeah. now, which is unbelievably awesome to, to sit back and witness. They're on, they're nationally recognized now. Um, you know, a lot of people, still confuse it with North Dakota state and that, you know, NDSU has built a dynasty. I hate to say it, but the, we're right on their tails and we're, we're as, as premier as a program as they are. And I think um, the fact that it is becoming a school that kids are dreaming of playing at is, is amazing. But you know, if SCSU isn't your dream school and you have an opportunity to play there, there is no shame in that. It is a honor that will be with you the rest of your life. And if you make the most of your opportunity, you're going to have a hell of an education. You're going to meet some of them, some of your lifelong friends, a phenomenal class of people in the community, hardworking, humble human beings. 
And who knows? You may just have an opportunity to make your dreams come true if they are playing in the NFL. Love it, man. I think I don't even think there's anything we need to say on top of that. I think we should close there. But, man, uh, I appreciate your time. Thanks for uh, carving out a little piece of your Saturday to, to chat. Um, hopefully you and your family continue to stay safe out there in, in California. And when I visit my family in Redlands, I'll have to say what's up. No, absolutely, Kyle. Uh, no problem at all anytime. And, uh, no, I appreciate the opportunity to share some of my story. And uh, I hope you do. Let me know when you're out here. I'd like to go. Well, if the state ever opens up, yeah. <laughs> isn't looking like the case, go grab a beer somewhere. I hear you, brother. Well, on that note, we'll end it with go big, go blue, go Jacks. Good deal.